time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Monday, August 3rd, 2020. Hope everyone had a wonderful weekend. Thank you for joining us today as we start another great week of shows. We have some great guests lined up for you this week. Uh, The guest today on the program is Zach Stiver. He is a graduate of Rio Hondo Prep as well as the University of Laverne. He won a couple CIF championships at Rio Hondo Prep, uh, playing football. He also played some football at the University of Laverne. Briefly uh, had kind of some some injuries. Uh, It's where the career kind of ended a little before he wanted it to. But he's still going to talk to us about what it was like playing college football, kind of the atmosphere, how it's different from high school football. He'll also talk about just his journey in general uh, after college and getting involved into some of the uh, some of the work and, and uh, career path he's currently in. Uh, he'll talk about all that as well as some of the, the influences in his life at a young age, um, being someone who was involved in, in Cary Youth League and youth sports and going forward at a, a very young age and, and going to Rondo Prep after that. So that uh, that's on tap for us today here in a couple of minutes as we do our interview with Zach Stiver. Looking forward to you guys hearing this. Uh, for those who are Real Hondo Prep alumni, I think you can appreciate it very much. And for those who aren't involved in Real Hondo Prep, I still think there's something that you can take from it. Uh, as we chat with Zach here, we'll, uh, one of the main things we'll talk about is, you know, we all make our game plans in life, right? We we think we have a direction and then those uh, those plans change, you know, kind of, uh, you know, to, to make a play on words here, as soon as the ball's kicked off, the ball, you know, as soon as the opening kickoff, things change. And so uh, that's kind of uh, how our conversation goes and looking forward to you guys hearing that here in a couple of minutes. Well, a couple of thoughts uh, uh, today as we start off the show. Uh, I had a pretty good weekend. It was nice getting away from the podcast a little bit, although I did do a couple interviews. So that was, that was cool on Saturday, just to, uh, set a few up for later this week. Uh, but in general, didn't really have to uh, organize and do any editing or anything like that. Just kind of relaxed. And, and you know what, with Saturday and Sunday, really, there was a ton of sports options. And, and this is a, a show where we're always going to talk about sports. Uh, but you know what, there was a ton of options. Uh, we had the NBA, major league baseball, the NHL, NASCAR, UFC, boxing. I mean, uh, there's never been an August like this, and it's going to be that way now for a couple months. Uh, I know there's some obstacles in moving forward with Major League Baseball, some of the uh, the testing, uh, positive tests of COVID and such. So we'll see what happens there. But I think they're going to do everything they can to uh, to really get a season done here, a short season uh, at, the, at that, but they're going to do what they can. The NBA, uh, really, every team has played now uh, down in Orlando, or the teams that are down in Orlando uh, in the NBA bubble. And uh, I got to be honest, guys, with all the sports options uh, this weekend, uh, there was one in particular that I watched more than the others. Uh, I really didn't watch any NBA. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I, I've kind of distance myself a little bit from the NBA with some of the things they're doing. Um, I'm just not that interested. Uh, I used to really love basketball. 
I love March Madness. I love the NBA playoffs. I love my Lakers. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of LeBron James, so it's really weird with him being on the Lakers. Uh, But anyway, I just, I'm just not that interested in the NBA and to each his own. Everyone is entitled to their interest and their opinion. But for me, I just, I don't know. I'm not going to kind of invest in that at this time. Uh, What I did watch a lot of was the NHL playoffs Uh, hockey. It was great to have hockey back. The NHL typically like the NBA has a very similar playoff format. In general, in most years, there are two conferences, and there's eight teams in each conference, 16 teams. They play each other one versus eight, two versus seven, and so on, and it's uh, you know a playoff series. And then you advance to the next round, the next round, and then the, the finals championship. So uh, that's, in general, what happens with the hockey playoffs. Well, what they did this year because of COVID, and, and similarly, the NBA is kind of finishing up a few games before they officially start their playoffs. Well, hockey kind of combined it. They kind of... Uh, made it this one big 24 team playoff. They took a a group of teams that were kind of in the hunt really. And they decided, you know, the bottom teams they are really not in it. So in the mix, so let's, uh, let's keep them out of it and just kind of focus on a playoff format. So what they did for those who would like to know or don't know, and I sorry if you don't want to know, but uh, (laughs) each conference, two conferences, 12 teams, right? Well, in each conference, the top four teams, Uh, they just are playing each other each once. So three games, round robin, if you will. And they will seed those four teams accordingly, one through four, based off of their performance against each other. The other eight teams in each conference are playing a what's called a qualifying round. It's a five-game series, five plays against 12, six plays 11, seven, okay, seven versus 10, and so on. So that's what they're doing. It's a qualifying round, five-game series. So first team to win three wins series. They will then, those four winners will now advance to the first round, the traditional first round, and they will play the other four teams that were already uh, have qualified for that round, the top four teams. So I thought it was pretty interesting. There've been a couple round round Robin games for the top four teams, but everything else has been a playoff game. I mean, I I watched some great hockey on Saturday, great hockey on Sunday. I got my fill, man. Let me tell you, I was like five games each day, maybe six, even one of those days. But anyway, um, hockey opened up with a bang. I mean, one minute into the first game, there was a goal two minutes into the first game. There was a fight. I mean, it really, uh, (laughs) drew, drew, drew us in, drew, drew my, attention for sure and what they're also doing is it's instead of one singular place one lone bubble there's there's two the west is playing in edmonton and the east teams are playing in toronto and then my my understanding is the finals will be in toronto the east versus the west uh champions so that's kind of the plan that's kind of what hockey is doing and i gotta tell you it was a great product it was great to see i think hockey and the nba looks better on tv without fans than say baseball does uh, baseball, those, those cardboard cutouts are pretty ridiculous. I know Fox, they were kind of putting like, um, cyber fake fans out there in some of the seats. And it's just like, come on, man, just, just accept what it is. There's no one in the, in the stands. So anyway, there's a lot of tarps, a lot of lights and other, uh, things going on in the, in the bleachers, if, if you will, for the NBA and the NHL. But I think it looks pretty good on TV. I think they did a good job. And man, I forgot how much I loved hockey and especially playoff hockey. Just uh, they really get after it. There's been some great storylines already and just a lot of fun. Uh, I talked on Friday kind of like how I'm in this struggling relationship with sports right now. 
how it's kind of like, I'm not sure what the future looks like <laughs> with sports. Uh, kind of one of those relationships really where you don't know if you see things going too much further together with someone. Uh, but I will say to kind of go with that analogy some more, uh, hockey's really given me some hope. Hockey has given me, uh, has really kind of given me a little bit more interest in sports, but specifically hockey itself. I've talked for months now and weeks about how much I've gotten into combat sports, boxing and, you know, UFC and everything. Um, that's been a few years now. I, I've kind of gained more interest in that. But I could say the same thing about hockey. Probably 10 years or so, I really gained more interest. And I there was a point a few years ago where I was like, you know what? I like hockey better than basketball or baseball. Uh, so anyway, it's good to have hockey back. It's a sport I, I've never played. I can't relate to in that manner. But I do love the fact that, uh, you know, their strategy, yes, but it, the simplicity of it, like, hey, here we go, she, you know, put a put a puck in that goal. And uh, if someone acts up, you know, hey, there's some physicality to it as well. There's even some fighting in it, which is great. Um, and man, those referees, they, <laughs> they earn every cent of their paycheck. Let me tell you, with breaking up uh, fights and altercations <laughs> the entire game while skating. So uh, I can respect the game quite a bit. And I could promise you this and moving forward, Murray looking forward to the, uh, the, the three or four playoff games that we got today on Monday. And uh, just, yeah, I was totally into it. I've always been into it, but I, I definitely was a, it was a bigger draw to me this year. And you know what? There's not one California team in this thing. My LA Kings are, 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 are out of it. And uh, not even the Anaheim Ducks or the San Jose Sharks were, were in this format. So it's kind of weird not having uh, anyone of interest to, uh, to look at, but um and I could care less about San Jose Sharks, that's for sure. But but anyway, uh, it was it was interesting just kind of watching games to watch games. So um, that's the plan moving forward. Uh, hockey, you know, they had some pregame festivities similar that we saw to the other places, uh, other sports, I should say, recently. Um, which it, it is what it is. It's going to happen. The NFL, I'm sure, will do a ton of that stuff as well. But I do respect hockey in this sense that. Uh, did not see any kneeling during the national anthem, which I thought was great. Uh, there was a player who came in in one game, uh, kind of gave a speech uh, about his, you know his thoughts on injustice and this and that. He took a knee, but he was uh, not in uniform, uh, a member of the Minnesota Wild. Uh, but uh, every other player, to my knowledge, stood during the national anthem, which I thought was wonderful. And maybe some skeptics are like, well, they're just standing because you can't really take a knee in skates. Well, uh, personally, I'd like to think that, uh, it was out of respect and that, uh, you know, maybe there's other ways to get messages across. So of all the things I saw over the weekend, hockey was the best, the best, uh, I, I did not really watch much NBA. Uh, I only watched some major league baseball because I had a friend, actually a couple friends in a couple different games, uh, working home plate, working as umpires, um, in a couple different games. So I, I'd like to see them work and watch them. So that was really the only reason I tuned into some baseball games. But I will say, if you're a sports fan and, you know, you can kind of tolerate some of these uh, pregame uh, political uh, antics, we'll say that, uh, you know, you really had your fill of options over the weekend. And it's a pretty cool place to be in after having uh, not, not any sports on for a few months. And, and you know what? On the, on the, um, to kind of go another way with that, you know, as I said already, with other sports fans out there, who, who really have missed sports and, and really wanted sports to be back. I think some people have gotten used to not having sports and they're like, you know what, unless you give me a reason to really, really watch it. Like I don't necessarily need it. 
uh, and I was kind of one of those. But again, I haven't broken up with sports yet. Hockey's given me some hope, and I'm sure there'll be more hope in moving forward. Uh, but man, in moving forward, uh, if 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 I just become a hockey, boxing, uh, UFC guy, you know what? I can live with that. I, you know, I, I wouldn't be the best thing in the world, but I could definitely live with it. That's for sure. I got to say one thing about the NBA over the weekend. Um, there was a young man, Jonathan Isaac of the Orlando Magic, who was the first NBA player to stand for the national anthem uh, down in the bubble. And uh, it was really interesting to me that now one person standing for the national anthem is uh, is headline news, right? Uh, the NBA, uh, they've made a decision really to uh, everyone take a knee during the national anthem. I've even seen some referees do it, which uh, jumped out at me. Uh, there was a story about one referee who did not. And of course, the media jumped all over him, the Twitter mob, of course. Uh, but specifically, Jonathan Isaac of the Orlando Magic, uh, he, he stood during the national anthem, did not take a knee. And the first question he was asked in the press conference uh, was by a media member. <laughs> uh, Jonathan Isaac is a black man. And the media member, I don't even know who it is, nor do I care, uh, asked him directly. First question, uh, Jonathan Isaac, do you not do you believe Black Lives Matter? A reporter asking Jonathan Isaac, who is a black man, do you believe Black Lives Matter? Think about think about that for a second. Like, I almost had to like rewind it and be like, wait, what did that guy say? What kind of question is that? You're going to ask a black man if he believes black lives matter. I really, I don't want to, I don't really want to comment on it, but it's very interesting to me that that was the first question that a reporter asked Mr. Jonathan Isaac, who, if you, if those who don't know, uh, has recently become an ordained minister uh, back in March. And he answered a lot of questions uh, with a lot of uh, base, based off of his faith were some of his decisions that he made, which I completely respect, I think is wonderful. I think it's it's crazy that in 2020 that you have to explain yourself now for standing for the national anthem. We talked about it with uh, the Giants pitcher in uh, Sam Coonrod. You know, he, he's, he expressed similar feelings that basically uh, a lot of his decision went into um, his faith and discussed his faith in, in several several of the answers. Um, I, I, I want to say a few quotes here from Mr. Isaac because I, I think it's uh, I think it's fair. Um, some of the things he said. Uh, I'll, I'll try to summarize it here and not read you the whole thing, but I'll give you a few quotes. Uh, this is from ESPN. Uh, this is from Jonathan Isaac. Um, I don't think that kneeling or putting on a T-shirt for me personally is the answer. I feel that for me, black lives are supported through the gospel. All lives are supported through the gospel, that we all have things that we do wrong. And sometimes it gets into a place of pointing fingers about which wrong is worse. I thought it was a pretty uh, powerful answer, really, to some of the questions he was getting uh, as far as standing for the national anthem. So uh, I do want to salute Mr. Isaac today because it shouldn't take this like huge act of courage or bravery to to stand for the national anthem but apparently in 2020 it does so i applaud him because i know it wasn't an easy decision he probably prayed a lot about it and you know what for everyone who who everyone's entitled to their opinion to their thoughts and their beliefs 
Um, but what's funny to me is when you are not, you don't submit to the mob rule. You don't submit to um, the the kneeling of the national anthem that so many people are getting behind. Uh, you're you're the extremist for standing. How dare you? And it's like, wait a minute. Uh, he shouldn't have to defend himself. That is something that is such a part of our culture in respecting our national anthem and the flag. I was thinking the other day about this. Like I always try to come up with ways that I can kind of express my belief in these things um, or just kind of, again, not to fight with anyone or argue, just to kind of think of something uh, that kind of maybe paints a clearer picture. I'm a very visual guy, right? So um, I believe in standing for the national anthem. That's me. I know other people, people don't. And if we were to have a conversation, we probably wouldn't get anywhere, right? Um, I know people are very passionate about some of the things going on in our country right now. Uh, they have chosen to go a certain direction with it. That's all I'll say. And, and you know what? They're entitled to do that in, in America. And, and I think at times we we forget that uh, we <laughs> we are in America. I, I will say if, if some people did stuff like that in other countries, they, they probably wouldn't get to a second game because – uh, other countries are not as free as us. So uh, if that was done in China, for instance, where uh, you disrespected the national anthem and the flag, I, I think you probably wouldn't see the next day. So, um, oh, oh, by the yeah, that's weird that the NBA does support China and all their atrocities, really, um, and their lack of, you know, f- uh, freedom and all those things. But that's a whole nother show. We'll get to that. And we'll get to that eventually, maybe this week even. Anyway. Uh, what I will say is I I thought over the weekend, I said, you know what, where else would it be inappropriate in my mind to take a knee? I had a discussion with someone on the, on the podcast not too long ago about, you know, what if you were an atheist and someone was praying next to you? How, how would, what would you do? Would you, would you just make a bunch of noise and be disrespectful and not, you don't believe in what they believe. So you're going to just not change anything or just stand there quietly, probably not close your eyes because you're not praying, but you'd, you'd stand there respectfully. I would think, and just be like, okay, well get, get over with, get your prayer over with. Right. That was the analogy I came up with kind of on the spot, but I thought also about this weekend and how let's say, how would people feel if you had a, a, a relative, maybe a sibling, um, someone that died kind of at a younger age, you know, we all kind of know our parents are going to pass on eventually. Um, of old age and we all will pass away of old age. Right. But say someone died, I don't know, relatively young twenties, thirties, whatever. Um, I can only think maybe in combat, uh, maybe in combat in a war that, uh, maybe you don't agree with. Maybe you're mad that your sibling died in a war that they were fighting in that, um, maybe you didn't agree with, or maybe some of the other people around you didn't agree with. Uh, one of the great things I think the military does uh, is they play taps at funerals. I've always, you know, I, I grew up playing the trumpet. Uh, it's uh, an easy song to learn, but I think it's a powerful song in playing taps uh, for fallen soldiers. Generally, when the flag is being folded, I believe, to my knowledge, um, it's a special honor. It's one of my my most sacred gifts I have is my grandfather's uh, flag. He did, he fought in World War II, didn't die in World War II, died in his 80s, but uh, the United States Army still came and played uh, taps, uh, full, full flag, uh, you know, honors and everything at his funeral. Anyway, rambling a little bit. How would somebody feel if they had a relative 
die. And during taps, um, you don't really rise for taps, right? You don't stand necessarily. But how would you feel if someone did something? I'd say kneeling, but you know, everyone's generally sitting, I think, during that time. I mean, how would you feel if someone had some kind of demonstration, some type of protest, if you will, while your relative is being honored with taps? And I think everyone knows what taps is, but uh, if you don't, you know, look it up perhaps. Uh, But anyway, how would you feel about that if you had a a sibling, uh, a a relative, a cousin or someone, maybe not even a relative, but a a very one of your best friend, and they were being honored with taps because they died uh, in, in combat and someone took it upon themselves in that moment to make that moment some type of political protest. A moment that honor is to honor somebody who has died. And maybe you disagree with the way in which they died. And that's why you want to make a a, a protest of some kind. I don't think that's appropriate. I think you're almost spitting on the grave of that person. So if I have to sum it up, the whole national anthem feel, and again, this is just me. This is my heart. This is my head. This is how I feel about it. I look at the national anthem and the playing of taps almost as equal. I don't I can't tell people what to think when the national anthem is played. But for me and I know a lot of people feel this way. It's the same as if they were to hear taps. They're thinking of people in their lives who have died. Not just in the military by the way. Uh during uh, altercations with the law enforcement, with law enforcement, law enforcement themselves, firefighters, people in civil rights. Uh, a lot of the things that Drew Brees said, which he was then, you know, attacked by the Twitter mob. And, uh, you know, this, this, some of these, I don't know, we don't even know what to call it. I don't, I don't want to get off topic, but that's to me what the national anthem is. That's what I think about. It's very similar to when TAPS is being played, honoring someone who's fought and died. So I don't think that's an appropriate place to have a political protest. That's just me. I know not everyone agrees with that, but that's where I'm at. So uh, I disagree with some of the things I've I've seen on television. Uh, I know a lot of people love it. And again, uh, that shouldn't divide us, I don't think. (laughs) You like something I don't. I like something you don't. It shouldn't be like, oh, we can't be friends. We can never talk again. We can never, we'll we'll never agree on anything. You know, Uh, there's a lot of other issues like that around the world, around our country, I should say, specifically, especially in this election year. You know what? But uh, we we still got to coexist and we still got to move forward and, and do our best to get along with everyone, right? So those are my thoughts on some of the things I've seen over the weekend. Uh, again, I'm really, really fired up about the hockey playoffs. Uh, I might tune into some other sports uh, maybe later on. But for now, my attention will be uh, with the NHL. I respect um, the way they restarted their season over the weekend and really looking forward to watching more playoff hockey uh, in the upcoming weeks. So, guys, those are my random thoughts this morning. There will be a lot more random thoughts throughout the week. we got some great guests. 
I really do mean that. I say it every week, but we do got some great guests. Uh, great guests uh, tomorrow, Wednesday, all, all throughout the week. We have a new guest lined up. Today on the program, we have Zach Stiver. I mentioned to you a little bit earlier about Zach. Man, t- almost 20 minutes ago. But anyway, <laughs> we're going to get to that interview with Zach right now. Zach is a real Honda Prep grad, played high school football, college football, uh, and, and really has some fun things to uh, chat about. It was really great catching up with him. Again, I say that about everybody too. But anyway, let's get right to that interview so you guys can uh, stop listening to me and listen to a little bit more of uh, Mr. Zach Stiver. So we will take a quick break, and then we will jump right to our interview with Zach Stiver. Okay, joining us today is Zach Stiver. Zach Stiver is a former member of Care Youth League. He is a graduate of Rio Hondo Prep. He's also a graduate of the University of Laverne. He is a project manager uh, in construction. He has a uh, major in kinesiology. He has a minor in business administration. I hope I said all that right, but we'll let him correct me if necessary. We're going to a lot to talk about, so let's uh, get him on board here. Zach, welcome to the program. Matt, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Appreciate you taking the time out of your busy life, busy day. Uh, you know, it's been a while, Zach. I haven't chatted with you in a very long time. Yeah. I think the last time I saw you was probably on the football field. Man, good stuff. I yeah, I, Four years ago. I think that's right. Yeah, Zach, Zach played uh, briefly at University of Laverne, and uh, unfortunately, some injuries kind of got in the way as a, you know, a lot of guys careers kind of go that way, Zach. So uh, yeah, I do remember that some of the the biggest joys I've had in refereeing have been the opportunity to be on the field with guys at the college level who I've had the opportunity to see grow up either through care youth league or even play at real Hondo prep, maybe have the opportunity to coach them. Never had the opportunity or the privilege I should say to coach you, uh, but uh, did get to see some former athletes in the the Skyac conference right the division three yep. conference out here in southern yep. california what what oh, did Refer- you oh sorry go ahead no go ahead sorry the, the screen froze go ahead <laughs> no you're good um yeah no i think when you were roughing us we, james ramirez was playing at redlands and i was on laverne and so and i think uh mr drain devo was there as well so a little bit of a reunion there that day <laughs> we kind of did a, a quick little rundown kind of an outline before we go on the uh, the recording here and everything. But uh, yeah, you did mention two of my friends in, in Devin Drain and Renzo Orwell, who I, I had as a graduates, fellow classmates in my class. And, uh, you know, the thing about Rio, Zach, is the classes are so small and everything that the relationships and the friendships you make, they are really are lifelong friendships. And even if you don't talk to people as much as you'd like, you, you still have that, hey, I wonder what uh, so-and-so is up to today or, or what are they up to the next few years? I mean, do you, do you kind of feel that way too in your experiences there? Oh, 100%. Um, you know, Colby Rivera and, and Nate Tycho and, and Rob Hanna and Parker Barrett, those guys I grew up with, you know, throughout CARE and uh, Pearl and Rio. Um, no, they're lifelong friends <laughs> uh, for life, obviously. And uh no, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> well, for those who don't know, I mean, a lot of our listeners here on this podcast are obviously uh, graduates and affiliated with the two places that you and I both grew up, uh, you know, many years apart, of course. Uh, but uh, Care Youth League is a youth sports organization uh, in the San Gabriel Valley that's been around a long time. Uh, kids who want to continue 
uh, kind of their experience in that sports league, have an opportunity to go into this small private school called Real Hondo Prep located in Arcadia, California. So that's just kind of a quick summary for those who are new to the program and maybe aren't affiliated with uh, Real Hondo Prep or Care Youth League. But we get a lot of our guests from those uh, institutions because a lot of people have come and gone through there and not just gone to the school, but gone on and done some great things. So uh, Zach, have you had an opportunity to listen to much of this podcast the past few months? Yeah, no, I have. Um, I've got a couple episodes. Um, I'm actually just the other day, I was listening to uh, Tom Bragger's episode with you. Um, so yeah, I actually played with his brother, uh, James Bragger throughout Care Youth League and uh, part, part of Rio. So yeah, no, it's good to hear from everybody. And um, and like you said, some of the people you don't get to talk to as much as you would probably want to. Um, and it's kind of good to hear everybody's where, where everybody's at and kind of catching up through the podcast and through uh, <laughs> for you, actually. Oh, man, it's it's been such a pleasure to catch up with people. And, and a lot of people that I knew or kind of knew of, I maybe said a few words to here and there, like you and I never really interacted that much. But it's been an opportunity to not just catch up, but also learn some things about some people that you really didn't know a whole lot about of, uh, and just an opportunity to connect and everything. So it's been a blast. Uh, and and Zach, what can you tell me? You you uh, you graduated college, and we'll kind of go back to uh, the care days and high school and college. Uh, you know, uh, here after this, but kind of what what was it like for you? You graduated college. Uh, what, what did you major in and, and how did you end up kind of on the career path that you're currently on? Well, um, what it was like was a big weight lifted off my shoulders. <laughs> if anyone knows me, uh, school is never my favorite thing to do, but, um, you know, my parents pushed me obviously to go get that degree and uh, get through college. And, and I think I, you know, Laverne, going to Laverne, I think that was a really good choice. Um, you know, obviously it was bigger than Rio, but small class sizes, um, good, you know, teacher and student interaction and whatnot. So, um, no, I, I uh, went ahead and started with kinesiology. Uh, actually really wanted to coach. Uh, college football was like my dream job being like a Pete Carroll or Nick Saban. Um, reality then kind of set in around probably a year and a half in. Um, and uh, I decided to add business administration to my uh, my. Uh, graduating degree um, as a minor um, and so actually I got into actually worked at Glendora Chevrolet for about two and a half years um, so I worked in the car business I'm a, if anyone knows me I'm a big car guy um, so and then after that I went into construction with my dad um, he owned a HVAC company um, and I went into business with him a little bit um, and now he actually had sold his business and I'm not working at another company so anyway and we're going a little bit into the weeds but um, yeah no it's uh Obviously, kinesiology um, was the first plan of attack, but decided to go a different route uh, at the end of the day. Well, I can honestly tell you that I, I speak from experience, and I'm sure there's other listeners out there who, uh, who know that, you know, you can drop this game plan where you think your life's going to go, and it, it almost never goes that way. We'll nope. <laughs> I don't think I've met anyone that's, uh, well, I, I take that back. That's not true. Um, you know, nurses usually when they go to nursing school, and that's what I want to do. But there's a lot of people that I've met that, you know, they have a degree in something and are doing exactly the opposite of what that degree is. So, oh, <laughs> yeah. well. Hey, oh, well, that's right. You, you get through it. Uh, you know what? And, you know, I got to tell you, having a University of Laverne uh, degree, it's, it's a great school. Uh, yeah. I, I'm sure, uh, you know, what, what was your experience like there? 
was it similar to Real Hondo Prep just in the sense that it's kind of this, I guess Laverne is a smaller population uh, campus enrollment, I should say. I mean, there's nothing like Rio, of course, how small that is, but what was yeah. kind of your experience from being at the University of Laverne? Um, like I said, kind of had that same vibe as Rio, just in size-wise with, like I was talking about earlier, kind of just, you know, being with the teachers and being able to have one-on-one -on -one sit down talks and not being in a class of 450 or whatever it is mm -hmm. um, in a big lecture hall. Um, no, I really enjoyed it. Um, I do wish that I went to a big D1 school just so I could experience <laughs> that. Um, so if there's one, if there's one thing I wish I would have done was go to a big D1 school. Actually, my sister goes to the University of Colorado Boulder. So she's kind of getting that, that experience. Um, so that's the only thing I wish. But other than that, um, Laverne was a great community to uh, be in. Uh, good people. And I've got a couple of good friends that I've uh, kept in touch with since then. So um, I was pretty happy with the whole around experience. Well, I'm sure uh, a big factor in you going there was the opportunity to continue playing football. You had, you had a great career at Real Hondo Prep playing football there, uh, which, which we will get to and talk about. But uh, playing college football, I don't care what level it is. I mean, any level of being able to continue on in your playing career, uh, it's, it says NCAA on the uniforms, just like, you know, it does the other schools. Uh, so being able to be a student athlete, especially playing football, I mean, I know it kind of didn't go the way you wanted, uh, you know, with some injuries and stuff, but just kind of uh, talking more about Laverne, what was it like to play college football uh, for a short time? Um, it definitely was, uh, it definitely was a, it was a learning experience. I think, uh, I think Tom on your last podcast was talking about his stint uh, playing in college and how, you know, you kind of had to take a step back. Hold on. You know, Rio was a small school. We played, you know, we played some big schools. We got to Arcadia and we got to mission prep and, you know, but there's a lot of teams out there with a lot of good players. And so you kind of had to take a step back and, you know, there's a lot of stuff that um, the coaches over there, especially the D line coach, he, he played uh, D one football and a lot that I could learn from, from him that, you know, I didn't get in high school, which, not a lot of kids do anyway, um, but it's just another, it was just the next level of learning. Um, and, and uh, so, yeah, no, it, uh, I kind of lost my train of thought there. <laughs> no worries. Uh, I think one thing that, that uh, a lot of student athletes see when they go to the next level is that there's a lot of time. It's a, it's not just a three month sport. It's a lot of off season activity, weight rooms, training, classroom discussions. I mean, all kinds of stuff. So was that kind of an eye opening experience as well? Yeah, no, I thought our, uh, our schedule at Rio was rough. Um, <laughs> the, the schedule for college football, that's a whole different experience. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was 5.30 a.m. up and working out, um, going to class. And at least my, my, my freshman year, which was the only year I played, um, going to class, then film in between classes, uh, then weightlifting. Again, another session, whether you weightlifted <laughs> or did running or uh, cardio. Um, and then it was get ready for practice and practice that day. And that uh, it was uh, 5.30 to about 8 p.m. ordeal. <laughs> so um, I think Rio prepared us really well for that, though. Uh, mm -hmm. Even though we didn't start at 530, usually we didn't get done for, you know, you had pra school practice and coaching. So um, I think we I think at least that helped 
with the transition for how much time we were spending at football, obviously it was really just on one thing, but, um, but I think real helped in that aspect at least. So you, you were always a lineman, right, Zach, you played defensive line in college. Yeah, I played D line. Actually, my, my uh, junior high career, I played tight end a little bit. Okay. Got some hands <laughs> on you. Okay. JJ yeah, Watt type of guy. Yeah. Right. Well, only if I was like six, six, that'd be great. <laughs> Um, maybe then I would have gone D1, but no, uh, you know, I think I bugged Devo and Renzo so much. They finally just said, all right, let's just put them out there. So, you know, I, I had fun, but then when it hit high school, it was kind of like, okay, we need, we need you to just focus on O-line and D-line. So, um, yeah, no, I, and then I played D-line, uh, uh, throughout college. Yeah. Okay. Cause I, I, let me ask you a question here as a defensive lineman at heart at, uh, you know, in college football, uh, how do I say this? How do I phrase this? Okay. Did, did you think you were being held every single play? Oh, like most time. every other defensive lineman does <laughs> all, all, all the time. And you know what, Matt, it's your fault as a ref for not catching that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Some guys would be like, Hey, he's holding me. He's holding me. And you'd be like, really, dude, you gotta, you gotta fight through that, man. I don't know, man. That's holding. I don't think hey, so. <laughs> hey. And apparently holding is it when the big offensive lineman with huge hands get underneath your, your shoulder pads, and holding right, and if you don't pull away, it's not technically holding. <laughs> so it was always, you know what, and, and that was one of the things. You know, we did some hand work in high school, but that was a big thing in college was was hands, right? I didn't I didn't do a ton in high school. It was more of me using my body first, and then kind of using the hands, and then trying to get off. But f- the first thing that our coach was like, "You got to use your hands," because guess what? These linemen are going to be six foot, six two, three hundred fifty pounds, and you're not going to be able to. You know, you're just not going to be able to get around them, even if you're quick. So, yeah, hands was a huge thing. But, yes, they hold every play. Every player it is. There it is. I said, really? There's 300 snaps in a game, and they're holding every single one? That's hard to believe. Every, every single one. And you know what? Only in college. And they played O-line in high school, and I never held. Never held, yes. And then when your never. team goes on offense, they never hold, right? <laughs> exactly. Oh, my exactly. goodness. <laughs> oh, something's never changed. And. Anyway, what well, pretty much? I'm pretty sure you got a lot of that. Oh yeah, I just roll my eyes, and you know what? Yeah, <laughs> I, I learned real quick. Like, okay, whole sideline yelling, holding. No, nope, we're not doing that today. Uh, but but anyway, what what can you tell me, Zach, about playing? Uh, I, again, I know your career was short and everything, and, and unfortunately had some injuries. But what what can you speak to with you know the Skyac football experience, Southern California interscholastic? athletic conference i believe is what it stands for uh i work that more than me (laughs) you're like what time's the game huh yeah (laughs) i'll be there i guess (laughs) anyway it's the skyac you know for those who aren't familiar and you know it's it's got some good teams and again the skyac is it's not usc against you know arizona state it's it's not even you know cal poly san luis obispo against uh, azusa pacific it's division three football but I can tell you from my experiences in officiating, you know, football is football. And I enjoyed the Skyac because you kind of knew what you were getting. There was, uh, you could say there was probably at times more student than athlete in the student athlete. But mm-hmm. because of that, very intelligent players, uh, coaches who, who I felt knew what they were doing, knew the rules. And, and the players, I, I got to hand it to, I mean, they, they were, they got every, ounce of talent out of their bodies and, and really played hard. And I always respected that. So what can you tell me kind of about just your overall uh, impression with the, the Skyac conference? 
Yeah, I actually, unfortunately, never got into a game because of injury. But um, just being around with the guys over that full year, you know, working with the coaches, um, I, I, again, I and you know what? Actually, Laverne, I think, had the biggest roster out of any Skyac team in the league. So I wasn't a big fan of that because you had probably, I don't know, 30-plus guys on the sidelines just wearing jerseys, not even, you know, dressed up and ready to go. Um, but when you, when you were able to sit down with the coaches, you know, it was – it, again, it was definitely that one-on-one -on -one time. You know, I'm, I'm watching uh, one of the best shows I like on Netflix is Last Chance You, um, and looking at that Juco football level. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and when you get – and I think one of the players had said something, man, if, you're, if you are not on the field because your ankle hurts or whatever, guess what? You're getting kicked to the back of the line. So I think it was, it was definitely uh, more well-rounded um, as – what I mean by that is maybe trying to touch more than just the five-star athletes that, yeah. you know, may have a chance at the NFL. So again, pros and cons. So, mm -hmm. um, but I, but I enjoyed it. Um, again, I think we, I think Laverne had some really good coaches and uh, really good guys. And I don't know, it was, like I said, I didn't have a bunch of experience, so I can't talk too much about it, but um, I definitely had a good time uh, doing it for the first year there at least. Yeah, you know, I, I think the Division Three, the Skyac, like I said, they do their best with – it reminds me a lot of Rio at times. Again, not saying Rio is just this, uh, you know, this uh, school that doesn't have the things other schools do or anything, but yep. they make the most out of what they have, uh, yep. the environment, the atmosphere, uh, the money they put into the program and everything. So, yeah, La Laverne, they'd always have a ton of players on the sideline. They got that – that end zone section, you know, with fans and everything. It's just yeah. good environment, good, good vibe uh, yeah. all around. Uh, if, if I'm being honest. So, so tell me, Zach, I don't get the opportunity to talk about some of these things with everybody. Uh, so what season are you on, on last chance? You, I just started, I just started the new season with uh, Laney college. Okay. Awesome. Just came out on the 28th and I think I'm five episodes in, in one night. So I need to get to uh, wow, five in one night. That's, that's, those are Hersman numbers, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I enjoy I, that show, man. I really love that. Yeah. I started watching it. I think I was still officiating and I was, I was like, man, this is great stuff. Uh, for those who don't know, it's, yeah, it's junior college football behind the scenes. They follow a team for a season basically. And uh, I thought the first two seasons were great. Mississippi, uh, the Kansas one. I will tell you, I've had uh, Jason Brown, uh, on the field when he was at Chafee College, uh, the offensive coordinator. Oh, really? My good, let me tell you, uh, what you see on Netflix is exactly how he was on the sideline. <laughs> you know what? It, people don't like, and I can I can understand that. I love Jason Brown. <laughs> I don't know what it is, man, but that guy is fantastic. So you know, in in and I think what's cool about that whole thing, right, is those you know maybe not all the JUCO football coaches, but for him, I can you know he's. He is harsh, and that is to put it mildly. Mildly, but since uh, he was there, uh, you know they were they had uh, some reporters from where was he? Oakland, I think he was from. I don't remember it, when he was first coaching. I don't know. But Brown was, was coaching. He, no, wherever he was coaching back in the day in California. Okay. For for JUCO football, and I don't remember what they said, but um, you know he was picking up players that lived an hour away just to bring them to practice and to bring yeah. them to school. And so I don't know. I, again, I can see why people don't like the guy, but uh, I I was a pretty big fan actually. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, he was uh, he was a lunatic on the sideline, but 
a, a very good offensive coach. And, and one thing that, uh, yeah, he played at Compton College and you know, okay. he's a sub, okay. Southern California kid. Yeah. Uh, just, just a great, he, he really does do a good job. And, and it, it brings up an interesting question or thought. You've played for a lot of different uh, coaches. You've, uh, you've seen kind of that intensity from a guy like Jason Brown, uh, who, over the, who occasionally is over the top. Um, but what, what can, I mean, Zach, as far as, I mean, you're a young man now, but like, what, what are your thoughts on like the different approach that not even just coaches, but like teachers or bosses, like what they have, uh, on kids today, because it seems like, and, and you'll see this as you kind of get older and older, you look back and it's like, man, people are soft these days. Oh, someone yelled at me. Like, it's yeah. like. What what are we doing? So you love Jason Brown and he's, you know, he's very intense. So, yeah, I mean, is. just what, what can you speak of as far as, I don't know where we're at in society with like being like, you know, getting intimidated by, uh, you know, a little harsh uh, love sometimes. Yeah, no, if, if that's the guy, that's, that is the guy of, he does not care what you think and he's going to tell you what he thinks. Right. And <laughs> I think in some of those kids in Juco football, I think they need that. Um, yeah. maybe not all of them respond to that. Uh, well, obviously you can see it throughout the show, but, um, no, I, uh, I've had a, I mean, I've never had a coach like Jason Brown, but the closest <laughs> one would be Pete Clark. Really? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I was he yelled say. a lot. <laughs> I was, no, no, no. Pete just yelled a lot, which was good, but you know, responded to that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, Mr. Mr. Drain in, in high school, pretty quiet until you screwed up and then he was pretty loud too. So, um, but no, I, I, you know, I had some really good coaches, no one, no one even close to Jason Brown, but I, I respect um, the coaches that just tell it how it is and don't sugarcoat things. So um, I think that's why I was drawn to that. And, um, but yeah. Well, if you think about, I mean, it might be a little different in like the NFL, but you know, grown man and guys getting paid and everything, but I mean, think about it, Zach. Think about it, and maybe there was an experience, but think about the times you were yelled at or screamed at. I, I know for me, I could say this. Uh, it's not like you – when I was screamed at, it, there was never a time where I didn't deserve it. It was like, yeah. you know what? He's right. I'm a jerk right now. I didn't do my yeah. job, you know? No, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And, you know, that's why, you know, Pete was one of my favorite coaches, and, you know, Pete was the coach that made me want to coach. Um, and you know, we had some, uh, some heart to heart discussions throughout my junior high days and high school days, you know, um, and I, and after, you know, I don't know when it was junior high, when I started coaching with them, I think it was junior high. Um, you know, I, it was a whole different side of Pete. Pete wasn't coaching me anymore. But I was coaching with Pete. So there was, it was a whole different dynamic that, um, I had never seen before. Um, and, uh, yeah, like I said, he, he, uh, when he saw something that was wrong, he, he let me know. Yeah. And, and, and you know what? I deserved it. So <laughs> I agreed with, I agree with you. So, so let me ask you this because Todd Carson had a big influence on my life and then we had the opportunity to coach together. So yeah. uh, as far as you talking about coaching with Pete, um, did you find that, you know, that, that was a situation where he got after you pretty hard because he knew you, you know, you could handle it and you deserved. Did you see yeah. that? I know you're still a young guy, but did you see that when you were coaching with him also? Because I would see Todd sometimes as we were coaching together where he didn't like something and he'd come after me, not, not aggressively, but just like, Hey, 
you know, that's not what we're doing. We need to improve this and, and hold me as accountable as he did as if I was a player. So yeah. was it similar to you? Um, yeah, I, no, I agree. And let me just start this off by saying Todd's the man. Todd coached me for <laughs> junior high. He was offensive line coach through high school. Um, I have uh, the utmost respect for Todd. And um, him, he and I had a really good relationship going through high school. Um, and uh, anyway, but yeah, um, I have to, yeah, no, actually, I, I take that back. When, when, when I coached with Pete and when I played for Pete, it kind of was actually the same. It was just I was old, right? It yeah. was kind of, okay, you are now this age. You, you need to understand this, and you need to do better. Um, and so I, that's how I kind of took it when, when we had those heartfelt conversations. Yeah, I'm not mad at you for missing a block anymore. I'm mad at you for letting our player miss the block. You, yeah. didn't, you didn't do a job to – you know, I, I love that. I think – that pecking order, it's like, it's really what makes uh, coaches and the coaching relationship assistants and head coaches, it makes you wonder about the higher levels, you know, the Bill Belichick's and all those great coaches, the Andy Reeds, and like yeah. that relationship with other assistant coaches where it's a fine line, it's respect, but also holding people accountable. And I think uh, that relates to everything. I mean, I'm sure your work life, uh, Zach, you know, in construction and everything, I, oh, I'm yeah. sure there's seniority and everything, right? Oh yeah. And there's a lot of yelling too. I thought it went away after high school or college football. No, it's, it's still constant yelling, unfortunately, but hey, like you said, you do your job. Um, you don't get yelled at. So, um, well, sometimes you do get yelled at for no good reason, but sometimes you just have to be able to take it. Right. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that kids learn on last chance you is to shut up take it. <laughs> And move on. Like it's don't talk back. It's not worth your time or anyone else's. So. Yeah. Yeah. That with junior college specifically. Yeah. It's a, and why that show is great is because a lot of those guys, you know, haven't done well with authority figures in their life in the past, mm -hmm. whether it be a lack of a, you know, a father figure or maybe some run-ins with the police or whatever, even the, the teachers, like they have yeah. to almost hold their hand to get through class and everything. So you yeah. need a little tough love. It's just, no, yeah. I remember officiating, Zach. Uh, you know, I tried not to use uh, bad language on the field, but in community college games, it was almost like the only language some of these guys would understand. And so as an official, you'd have to amp it up. And instead of saying, hey, knock it off, you'd have to maybe throw in a little bit more with it because it was necessary. And, and I don't, I don't yeah. say that just lightly. It was necessary uh, yeah. for guys to respond. Um, so anyway, uh, it's great stuff. I got to jump on this, um, this most recent season, man. Laney College, they're up north, right? Yeah, no, they're, on, they're actually in Oakland. So I think that's why I got switched. Yeah, you're right. Jason Brown was Compton, Oakland. Uh, Laney is up in Oakland. Awesome. Uh, awesome stuff, man. Yeah. You got me all fired up, man. I've always loved football and yeah. quite frankly, with a lot of the things going on these days, uh, the college football is already kind of getting shortened a little bit. The NFL, who knows what's going to happen with all these, yeah. uh, pro, uh, well, anyway, we'll get into all that. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, but anyway, um, let's go back a little bit. Now let's, we've kind of jumped around, which is totally fine. That's what, that's what this show is about. Just, Hey, let's cover it all, but let's yeah. go back a little bit to when you are a very young kid and to my knowledge. And I only know this because one of the care youth league programs was a summer program, kind of like a day camp daycare. I think it was called yep. day uh, club care. And, yep. and as a young uh, high school kid, college kid, I, I got to assist in all that and be a, uh, whatever you call it, a, um, 
a leader or whatever. Leader, yeah, uh, you know, camp I forget. Counselor. All. Yeah, can't, can't, yeah, during, the, yeah, we run around, hey, you know, play a water balloon fight with the kids uh, for a couple hours or whatever. So uh, anyway, but I do, I remember you, Zach, as a young kid, a kindergartner. And, yeah. uh, you know, to see you now as, an, as a, a young man, I'm like, man, I feel super old now. Uh, <laughs> Let me give I, you a hint, man. It's because you are. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, one nothing Stiver. Well done, <laughs> sir. Okay. <laughs> Don't set yourself up like that. I know that's on me. Um, but I never understood when people said that they're like, Oh man, I feel old now. Oh, you've grown so fast. And it's like, really? What? But now as you become older, you're like, Oh wow. Okay. Uh, anyway, Zach, you joined the care youth lead program at a very young age. Uh, tell me about your early days in care how it got started. Did your parents come to you one day and say, Hey, you're going to do this or what was it all about? Well, how did it all go down? Um, actually, uh, I think it was from, if I remember correctly, it was from our neighbors that actually were at care. Um, and I was a couple years younger than their kids. Um, and so I think they had mentioned it to my parents. And, um, I think I, apparently I liked sports when I was young, uh, big baseball kid, um, wasn't too sure yet about football. Uh, but yeah, no, I got started playing um, in kindergarten as an Atlantic Pirate. Atlantic so. Pirate, man. I, I, you know, we want to talk about pandemics. I mean, I've this has been a pandemic on this podcast. Every person I interview from Care and Rio is an Atlantic Pirate. And Zach, I got to tell you, I, I always respect my opponents, but but man, as a as a former Gator, I had some incredible rivalries with with that. Uh, with that team. And yes, they are the Yankees of Care Youth League, as I told Tom Bragger, but still, uh, you know, at that time we, we had some great victories and some uh, challenges against them. Uh, it was a great time. So but anyway, yes. Okay. Another Atlantic pirate is on my show. Anyway, proceed. Yeah, back. <laughs> What's that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I said, yeah, we're back. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, and I think I, I, uh, I was an Atlantic pirate and then they had a switch, I think like six years later, I think it was in it was in still in elementary, maybe around fourth grade or fifth, and we changed to Wildcats, and then they changed all the names around. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I I had I had peaked through six years um, of of care growing up. I'll be honest, I don't remember much of it. Um, <laughs> the only thing I remember is when uh, Pete threw his whistle over the fence during a basketball game. Um, that was actually pretty funny. But that's that's another. Ooh, ooh, let's go, let's go with that. So Pete Clark. <laughs> Pete Clark yeah. actually coached me one year also in, 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 um, when he came over to the, uh, the good side and the Gators for a year. And then of course he, he was assistant basketball coach for a while in the Rehondo prep varsity team. Yeah. But, uh, uh, do tell me, do tell me, was this throwing of the whistle over uh, a fence? Was it his anger at a player? Like, uh, how did that go down? I, you know what? I don't know. Remember what it was. It was a, it was a championship basketball game. Um, and we did something stupid and he just grabbed his whistle. You know where the buses park or yeah. used to park or whatever? And they made that into a basketball court. He threw it over the field or field. What is that? Two. He threw it over that fence. And yeah, it was just, you know, I look, I think back to those times and I just, it's hilarious to me. <laughs> and you know what? Pete was just a competitor, man. He was, yeah. it was, you know, it was win or go, you know, win or die. It was, oh, there is no losing. No, there is no losing. It's win or nothing. Yeah. Oh man. yeah, that's where we got kind of got that competitive edge from him. So uh, you know that that definitely was ingrained in ourselves uh, for sure. <laughs> but yeah, no, just that's again, I don't remember much. You know, CTE right from, yeah. <laughs> from all the football we had. <laughs> <laughs> See, 
that's the excuse we all use girlfriends moms whatever it is it's oh man that is dude absolutely all this okay espn and all this cte talk they're throwing to us you see you guys are just one step ahead you know we are right student athletes hey I got CT. Sorry, I forgot to call you. Oh yeah, my goodness! Trying to give you, a, you know, a, a text back. I totally forget. Yeah, no stuff. <laughs> now we just use it so loosely. Half the time, it doesn't even make sense. But oh, uh, wow. but yeah, no. I just, you know, I remember growing up. I, I, you know, I played with Renzo's brother, Danny Rowell, Nate Tycho. I mean, I played with those guys, and I don't think I ever was not on a team with those guys. Maybe one year with Danny during sixth grade, but yeah, me and Nate were on the same team every single year for 15 years straight. Wow. So, that's great yeah. stuff, man. That, that's, that's fantastic stuff. I, I love the, the relationships you, you grow up with. And the fact that the beautiful thing with care is, yeah, it's a lot of other guys, oh, I played little league baseball with so-and-so I played pop Warner, but really with care youth league, you, there's this deep connection for a long time. Like, yeah. you know, it just continues and, oh, it's great stuff. Well, you go through the care youth league program, Zach, you eventually ended up at Rio Hondo Prep, and, and was that kind of a no-brainer for you? Did your parents kind of make the decision for you? Uh, what, what was that whole thing like? <laughs> that decision was definitely made for me, uh, <laughs> but not that it was bad. I just, you know, I, I guess I'm going to sixth grade here. It's, you know, I was in Pearl, so mm-hmm. it was kind of just the next, the next step if you were going to, you know, go along this path. So, yeah, no, it was – um, and you know, all the guys, most of from, I think we had the biggest, actually the biggest class. I think we had like 50 people in, in Pearl. They had to, you know, split us up into two and most of them came into Rio. So we had another big junior high class. So yeah, no, that decision was definitely, uh, made for me. Great stuff. Well, well, Zach, you know, uh, a few things, one thing, I guess I, I, that I talk to a lot of the Rio Hondo prep guys about when they come on here is, Obviously, I want to hear about your experience in the school and what the whole, because it is a very unique school. I don't know if, you know, I'm, I'm 35 years old. Uh, let me see, 2014. So that would make you 24-ish, maybe uh, somewhere in there. All right. You know, you've been an adult, we'll say a few years now, and explaining where you went to school at times can be a challenge. And I do my very best because I'm proud of where I went to school. I, I, I am. I'm proud of the football program. I'm proud of the countless opportunities that I got and the things I got to experience that other people did not get to. And so if you could sum up, uh, I, I guess, first, let's talk about Rio Hondo prep football, and then we'll talk about the school in general. But Rio Hondo prep football has an amazing tradition. It started as six-man football. It played six, eight-man football. Uh, we went 11-man football my senior year. Uh, since the program has gone 11-man football in 2002, uh, in 18 years, we'll call it oh, 17 years, whatever it is, I think there's uh, four championships now, uh, a couple of losses in the championship game as well. So, uh, yes, it is a small school. It's a very small division. Uh, to my knowledge, it's the smallest school in California that plays 11-man football. Uh, but it's just – it's always so special. I try to explain it to my buddies – I can't always get out the words, but if you could, as a former Rio Hondo prep football player, and I know you played other sports, but, but football's just different, right? What were your experiences like in Rio Hondo prep football? Well, like you said, we won a couple championships. So if there's, what was it, four within the 11-man period, we were two of those. Um, so extremely proud to be on those two teams in 11 and 12. I tried to three-peat in, in 13, but 
uh, came up a little short, had a couple injuries, and that didn't help. But, um, yeah, man, that uh, we still talk about it today. And, mm-hmm. and you know, there'll be those people that'll be like, oh, you're an Uncle Rico. You know what I mean? It's, so, <laughs> it, it, you know, it, at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's not about winning championships. That, that, you know, those four years of high school meant way more than that for me anyway. Um, you know, I've got lifelong friends that I am in constant communication with. Um, some that I'm not, but always check in. And when we see each other, it's a good time. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, uh, you know, I, again, I, I don't know, once a week or whatever it may be, you look back and be like, man, those four years were so much fun because guess what? We were in high school. We didn't really have any responsibilities. It was go to school, get decent grades, get out and go play sports. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think sports for a lot of us were, were huge and, um, and I know most of the people on this podcast can probably attest to that. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, it uh, the people, uh, the coaches um, were, were the biggest, were the biggest thing for me. And, uh, and we won a couple of championships along the way and uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. You know what? People tell me all, I hear it all, all different places. I hear, Oh yeah. Your college years. Those are the best times of your life. Oh, your thirties. Those are incredible time of your life. Oh, the forties when, or when you get married, when you have kids, like I hear all these people talk about the best years of your life, but I'm a firm believer that, you know what, when you're in high school, especially those junior senior year years, like, those are amazing times. And not just cause uh, you know, I could eat a, a, a burrito at Del Taco and not gain 10 pounds uh, overnight, but like these days, but you know, it was just, it was so much fun. You were active. You were doing so many things, you know, you were almost uh, we'll say almost too busy to get into some trouble even, but you know, yeah. you, you just, it was, you focused on playing football sports with your friends being around your classmates all these different activities i think the real hondo prep experience in itself was just a almost overwhelming in 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 a positive way just all the different things you did so if you had to speak on just the entire experience at being at rio you know be your your years in high school i mean what was what was all that like for you did you soak it all in when you were there yeah, no, I we I mean we definitely did. I, I certainly did. I can't speak for other people, but um, I would hope everyone soaked it in. Um, no, you nailed it on the head. I mean, uh, sports were only you know a fraction of that, even though it was a big fraction. Um, you know, the the trips that I was able to take. You know, people were like, "Oh, I've only been to two states in the United States of America," and I'm just in the continental U.S. And I'm like, "Well, oh, I've been to like 30." You know, it's yeah. I've been back east, I've been in the middle of the country. You know, 24 or eight hour, 28 hours straight on a on bus five all the way to Arkansas my sixth seventh grade year or whatever it was that summer you know just you know good memories and uh um you know the trips were obviously a big thing for me Europe that was a ton of fun with the guys and um you know and then you know there's a drama club that or the drama uh, team that came out and we started doing plays and they asked a bunch of the football players to be in it and um so yeah it, it, you know what like I said you out of all the things you got coaching going on it, I have to say we were probably the most rounded high school athlete, student athletes around for sure. Oh yeah. I, I don't doubt that for a second. And, and Zach as a, as an alumni now at Rio, I mean, I've gone to a few games. I've seen you there on the sidelines, you know, do you still enjoy going and watching Rio Hondo prep football, going back and watching the games? It's a little different now with them playing at that park in Irwindale, but 
I mean, it's still fun to go back, isn't it? Doesn't it take you back a little bit? Oh, uh, 100%. Um, park is great, by the way. I, yeah. I love it. But I'm sorry, you can't beat the pit. <laughs> that's, that's what the SoCal Inside News guys used to write about it. That was, that was the pit. You know, championship night, uh, 2012, the whole bank is full, or 08, or, you know, those games. There's just nothing, nothing like it. But kind of going back to what you asked, yeah, no, it, it, I love coming out and supporting. And there's a couple guys on that team that um, – that I coached in care. And you know what? Actually, Jack Van Cleve and a couple of other of those kids, they won the first baseball uh, mm-hmm. CIF championship ever in school history. So that was kind of cool to watch as well. And kind of seeing the kids grow, I think that's, you know, for you, whoever you coached, watch, go through high school, win a championship. It's just kind of cool to see that whole development and growth um, of the kids. And uh, one of my good friends, friends Dave Garros, uh, brother, JG, still on the varsity football team. So uh, we coached him as well. And it's kind of cool to see him develop. Um, and how good he's been over the past couple of years at running back. That, that kid, I've said it on this program before, that kid is, is probably the best pound-for-pound uh, pound football player I have ever seen. And, and, I, and I mean pound. that. I mean, for, for as little as he is, yeah. I've never seen anybody as small. And, and that's not a knock on him because yeah. he's tough. He's okay. built really well. But, but that's, I've never seen anybody that small be that good at that level. Yeah, we always used to tell we, – we still tell Dave to this day, hey, man, if he had your size, um, he would be unstoppable. <laughs> if he had your size and his speed and his ability to play, play running back, you know, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Nate a little bit. You know, because yes. our – or yes. Charles or any of those guys, right? Because, um, you know, a lot of our running backs, and, and I played with those guys, so that's why I mentioned them, um, they're not the biggest. They're kind of, you know, small and they find holes and creases they can get through and – bow down field and they go and they gain yards i mean in that kid and jg is fast i mean he yeah. is super fast and it's pretty impressive to see him just kind of make one cut and he's gone so yeah no he is definitely i have to agree is pound for pound the best player um that's for sure i i've seen yeah mark i think there's video posted highlights of him and he was just he you never get a clean hit on him he's just something about his how low he is to the ground, he gets hit, he, he stumbles around. It's crazy. Uh, let me ask you this, Zach, because, you know, again, we, we had a, a minor outline here, but we're bouncing around. So yeah. a, as a former lineman, uh, you talked about defensive line and, and how you were held every play, and then offensive line you never held, of course. But uh, what can you say about – because my brother was an offensive lineman on the, on the first championship team in 11-man, um, and I've always respected offensive linemen. So what, what is your take – it could be – this is relevant for any level of football. I mean, it's always been interesting to me that running backs put up all these great numbers and they get all the headlines and this and that. But yeah. but what is the mindset of, like, linemen? Is it just like – do you guys kind of look at each other and fist bump like, yeah, that was that was all us? Like, is there a pride when your running backs are doing great things? I mean, tell me about – take us inside the helmet of an offensive lineman. Well, I think – and this may be a little long, so bear with me. <laughs> but uh, my sophomore year, I believe, I came up to varsity, um, and Mark and Todd actually went up to – I hope I can say this, but Mark and – I'm pretty sure I can. Mark and Todd went up to De La Salle, and they had sat down with their, their coaches um, and, and just talked, how can we – you know, what do you guys do and what can we do to get better? And I think that was great about those two guys. Um, you know, I interacted with them the most, obviously, because Todd was the offensive line coach and defensive line coach, and obviously Mark was – uh, the defensive uh, coordinator. So, um, no, they went up there, and one of the things that Todd came back with was the uh, the techniques and whatnot that De La Salle uses, because De La Salle 
is never the biggest team. They never have the biggest guys. They're kind of like, obviously, they're extremely good. But I, if you put them into Rio's perspective, they're definitely like the Rio of their league. Um, tiny guys, but, man, do they, they win. And um, so, you know, we had started a brand-new uh, offensive lineman uh, techniques, and, and I'm not going to get into the nitty-gritty of it. But from that point on, I think that put us in a position to be the best offensive lineman or the, at least the best offensive line uh, in the history of the school, the only reason why I say that is because of what we were taught and what they were able to bring down from De La Salle. You know, we had Rico Perez, Jared, um, Sebi, myself, and uh, Omar. None of us are over 5'10", or, or at least we're 5'10", not over 5'11". Um, Sebi might be, and Omar a little bit taller than that, but most of us were, were on the shorter side and we're just thick, and uh, it was just getting off on set and a half. So down set and that half point was always to get and fire off. Um, and obviously we, we did a bunch of different things, but yeah, no, it was definitely a, a, a brotherhood type of thing. And we ended up getting a, a sled that year. So a lineman sled. And our goal was to get that sled up and put those forks in the ground without even moving it. And it took a couple months, but we ended up doing it. And uh, I think Nate had the most yardage he's ever had my junior year. And he even outpaced that my senior year. So, yeah, no, it, it, uh, it definitely what, – what Todd and Mark were able to bring back from De La Salle was definitely a big help. I, I think those are two amazing coaches, guys that really put in time. They study who does it the best, I mean, and, and really take from that. I uh, loved watching – uh, I loved Alex Tycho, who, who I had the privilege to coach. Great player. Uh, his younger brother, Nate, uh, again, incredible running back. So fast. You guys open up a hole and he would get through it so quick. Oh, yep. my goodness. Uh, incredible stuff. Um, yeah, I've, I've always found that in interesting that, you know, most running backs are cool. They love their linemen because they know they couldn't do it without them. Uh, but, but it is funny that in a sport where, you know, guys get all the headlines and this and that. And it's like, wait a minute, you couldn't do it without these guys up front, man. You could never yeah. do that. No, actually. And I think, I think it was our junior year. I think it was right before the championship of mission prep. I actually think we got, I you know what? It's really, it's, it's been hard for me to find that article, but they SGV actually wrote an article about our offensive line. Nice. So we, we at least, we at least got in there. So um, no, but you know, Nate was always good to us. Alex was always good to us, always thanking the line in interviews or whatever it was. But, you know, it's not about getting all the, the fame and glory, right? We were there to do our job and uh, make holes and win a championship, and we did that uh, quite a bit. So Yeah, and, and one kind of final thing with Rio football, because, uh, you know, I could talk about it, the history of it and everything for hours, but I don't want to – some people roll their eyes when I tell them. I'm like, oh, they're like, oh, another real Hondo story. I'm like, yeah, man, it is what it is. So okay. anyway, uh, but, you know, I, I don't remember the order of occurrence. I do remember that I was umpiring somewhere, and real Hondo prep was finally going to play Arcadia High School. Yep. And, you know, for those that don't – Rio's in Arcadia, and they – They've done a really good job the past, I don't know, eight, eight years or so in playing, scheduling some pu local public schools and stuff. Killed Royal High School last year, which was a blast to see. Uh, they're the school right around the corner. But Arcadia was a big deal. Arcadia had a pretty decent history. And sure, their program has slipped a little bit over the years. But real Hondo prep playing Arcadia, I don't remember when it was scheduled, but it was there was so much buildup to it. And I remember, I think I was still in minor league baseball at the time. And I was like, 
this game is is everything. This is this is almost bigger than the championship. It was the season opener. I want to say it was 2012, but I could be wrong. Yeah, yeah. Okay. 2012, week zero. Week zero in August. Uh, anyway, Zach, what was the what was because that was I said it one time. I said that was one of the biggest games in Real Hondo history, and uh, it wasn't much of a game. We can honestly say. I mean, tell me about that game specifically, the build up to it, and just as soon as it started, you guys just took it to the Apaches. Yeah, now um, that year there were two things for 2012 that we had on our weight, weight room door. It was uh, the game against Arcadia, and then it was making it to the state playoff game or state championship at the end of the day. Um, and we actually did both. We didn't, win, we didn't win the playoff, unfortunately, but the Arcadia game, you know, it was – Mark was always 100 days, 75 days, Love it. 50 days, 25, you know, and, it, and there was some big hype, and there was a lot of articles written about it. You know, people were starting to get, you know, all, you know, all flustered online. Oh, Rio, they're tiny. You know, they can't do it. They're not going to be good. Even if they did win, you know, it's not going to say much. And, and, you know, for the people out there that say that type of stuff, yeah, we were D13 at the, at the time, but we beat a D17 that made it to the semifinals that year. Mm-hmm. So divisions aren't everything. Um, it's only based off school size, not how good you are. Yeah. So, um, that's always a misconception that I also have to <laughs> let people know about because you know, people like to downplay uh, what we were able to accomplish and I won't let them get away with that. But um, yeah, no, the Arcadia game, that was huge for us. Unfortunately, you know, it was our first game of the season. Because, so we were a little rusty to start, uh, but no, I think uh, I don't, yeah. Colby threw for a touchdown. I think Nate ran for maybe one or two. Um, I don't remember about the other one defense played really good. And I think they only scored, uh, one touchdown with our second string in in the fourth quarter. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, I don't know, final score is like 29 to seven or something like that. So, no, that gave us a big leg up and we got super cocky and then got beat 49 to 17 the next week against Mission, which ended up being a great storyline. So, so, so that's my next question. And it happened yeah. to be the same season. And yeah. uh, in the Mission, you played Mission Prep at the very end of the season in the CIF championship game after, after they beat you guys up the following week. I mean, they, they, they took it to you guys. And so as you go into the championship game, uh, yeah, as far as on paper, like it shouldn't have been close. You guys, you guys got embarrassed. They beat you good. They beat you soundly. And now you get a chance to get them again in the CIF championship. Yeah. No, uh, let me tell you, Mark and all our coaches, Made that very clear the next week. Uh, <laughs> we were doing shoots for I don't know how long. Just for, they were so pissed. It was uh, it was bad, man. I, I don't think I've ever lost a game that bad before. Um, I don't. It was really a shock. I mean, we because actually the guy the seniors that year they played them their freshman year, and they killed them like I don't know a, a real score sixty two to twelve or whatever it was. Um, so you know we watched them on film. Ah. They're not going to be very good. They had some big guys, but we play big guys all the time. Who cares? Um, and, and then they had a guy, we call him, what was he, 60, 69, 64? He was one of those. And uh, he was 6'3", 6'4", 250, and he could bench 185, 49 times. And uh, we came, we soon found out that they weren't a joke. And yeah. uh yeah, we got uh, we got we got embarrassed pretty bad actually. Good thing it wasn't TV. 
Yeah, I was at the the championship game and saw it, you know, and it was kind of a letdown because you guys had this huge win over Arcadia, one of the biggest wins in school history, and yeah. then you get, you know, embarrassed by by Mission Prep. But I think in the long run, probably a good thing because no, it, was. it brought you guys down to earth real quick and show, okay, if you guys want to do great things, um, you know, it's it's time to to get back to work. Uh, Mark Mark's incredible that way in motivating guys. Mr. Ken Drain. Uh, I can't say enough about him uh, yeah. and his leadership, just uh, his him leading of young men, so many of us uh, that he has had an impact on. And, and uh, you know, I was so happy, Zach, that, you know, Mr. Drain's been a part of the football program a long time, but he's been the basketball coach even longer. And so yeah. when you guys, even though you had all this football success, you know, multiple CIF championships, Rio had never won a basketball championship before. And there's a lot of reasons for that. There's a lot of great teams that have come through, unfortunately ran up against some teams that uh, were very good, maybe shouldn't have been in the divisions they were playing. Anyway, it's, it's irrelevant, but you had the opportunity, uh, Zach Stiver to be a part of the very first basketball championship on the boys side in real Hondo prep history. So tell me what that was like uh, just, and also from the standpoint that you guys kind of did this in between two football championships and that's in a small school, that's kind of unheard of. Yeah, no, I think after the mission game uh, we were getting into, we were getting into basketball territory at that point. And we had the game against Santa Fe Christian, um, the state playoff game down in San Diego the next following week. Actually, I don't know if there's a week or two weeks in between. I think it was just a week. Mm -hmm. So we were, I know, Mr. Drain's like, oh, well, we got to get, get ready for the basketball season too. Um, and, you know, while we're also getting ready for the state playoff game, you know, we got pretty beat up uh, that championship game. So we kind of took it easy that week um, and may have showed in our state playoff game with a couple big mistakes that we made. And unfortunately, we didn't win, but it is what it is. Um, yeah, no, basketball. Uh, I'm just going to lay it out here I didn't play I had surgery on my knee and I'm not a very good <laughs> basketball player um, but I was on the team so um, no I was more of like a practice dummy than anything um, so yeah it was kind of it kind of helped me do some therapy on the knee while I was you know running around the court and um, getting back to full health for baseball season but yeah I, I mean you can that team Ryan Wiley Jake Holgey Nate Tycho, Cody Hiroto mm -hmm. uh, Isaac you know those guys uh, Christian Tirico uh, that team was pretty special. Um, and uh, that was coming off the football championship and then winning another one. That was, uh, pretty, awesome. that was pretty special. Um, it definitely wasn't the scene of like a football championship for yeah. us. Right. It's, it was, I think we played at uh, modern day. I was modern there. Day. Correct. Yeah. yeah. No, we played at modern day and you know, there wasn't 4,000 people in the stands, but you know, <laughs> it, it was cool to be, be a part of that. And, you know, and that's, that's history. And those guys, you know, all, I'll be the, a name on the banner, which is great. But, you know, the, the guys that actually put in the work and, and, and was able, were able to make that happen, I mean, that's not easy, right? No, it, you know that. And, it, you know what, Zach? I mean, uh, you know, yeah, you're, you're a humble guy. But, you know, hey, you didn't play much, but you, you were the, the practice. I'll call you the crash dummy. Uh, you, know, you know, hey, the, the name on the banner is all the same, brother. Whether that's it's right. uh, Christian Tirico or Ryan Wiley, even though, hey – those guys were great players, but all the names are the same, man. All the yeah. names on the banner. So anytime Rio Hondo Prep can hang a banner, I, I'm in favor. Of it. And one thing I love about Rio is they don't do any of this league championship banner stuff. No, 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 no. Yeah, you, the, you, you go for the big ones. You, only the big ones up there. And uh, it was cool. I don't care. I mean, 
the baseball team won last year or yeah. yeah and that the volleyball team i hey i'm not yeah. a, i'm not a big volleyball fan but if the boys can hang a volleyball championship i'm all for it hey let's win yeah no i would love to see uh, you know randy <laughs> be able to bring the uh volleyball team and win a cif championship i mean that's if you're talking about well-rounded that's well-rounded yeah it's Football, all the same guys baseball, volleyball yeah <laughs> who else could say that you know i don't think the uh too many of the kids that you know, Bishop Ahmad are playing football and uh, volleyball. You know, maybe some are. I don't know. But it's just funny when, again, with Rio, how unique it is. Like, small schools, yeah, but uh, great competition, great, great stuff. And, man, I, 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 I talk all these sports now. I even go to games now. And I yeah. think I speak for a lot of guys. And I'm like, man, I just, oh, I, I wish I was <laughs> – I wish I was 40 pounds lighter in better shape and just ready to, you know, 20 years younger and ready to go again. Like, Oh man, this would be yeah. awesome. If I stepped a foot on the field, I'd be, I would be gassing about two plays. Yeah, I'd be done. What's cardio gassers. What are those? <laughs> oh, oh man. Hey, cardio kills gains. It's all about weightlifting. <laughs> Oh, shoot. I, I love it, man. That's great stuff. Well, well, Zach, let me ask you a few things about other sports. Um, uh, you were telling me kind of off the air, you're, you're a very big USC football fan, a yep. huge Dodgers fan. So kind of tell me, tell me about some of your loyalties there and how, how uh, passionate you are about those teams. Yeah, no, um, I'm not exactly sure how I became a USC fan. I think, it, you know, my dad ended up taking me to a game or two. I mean, that's kind of just, you know, when you're young, it is, you know, you just, whatever team it is you cling to. Um, and uh, one of my first games that I had a, a chance to go to, which is the Texas SC National Championship game at the Rose Bowl. Oh. Um, and I've got a picture of me crying, and I was probably, I don't know, eight or something like that. <laughs> you know, a little rough picture and still to this day irks me um, because his knee was down uh, and the refs, the refs didn't catch it, even with replay. Um, so yeah, no, it. Uh, you're right. You're right. The referees did forget to tackle Vince Young. I do remember <laughs> that vividly. The referees were like, you know what? I don't think Vince Young's going to score here. Let's not contain this guy, the, yeah, the Rose Bowl MVP. That was the ref. The refs missed too many tackles that day, Zach. All oh, those referees. <laughs> they did miss too many tackles. That is for sure. And Reggie Bush should have pushed the ball. He's an idiot. But again, that's in the past. It is what it is. Um, <laughs> We went, yeah. So, no, big SC fan. Unfortunately, the last time we were any good was 2017, and I was lucky enough to be um, at that game with Penn State. Now, that was that was an awesome <laughs> game. It was a hell of a game. Man. So, that was pretty fun. Um, but since then, it's kind of been whatever. Um, big Dodger fan, and, uh, you know, we just uh, swept the Astros. So, you know, it was a good weekend, um, good uh, or a good uh, beginning of the week, I may say. Um, but yeah, and uh, now we've got Joe Kelly on suspension and we've got Doc on suspension and not one Astros player has gotten a suspension for cheating their way to the World Series. So we can start <laughs> with that, Matt. Yeah, I'm with you there. Like, here, here are my thoughts, Zach. You know, okay. Yes, Joe Kelly didn't hit anybody. Okay. Yeah. He 100% threw with those guys. Okay. We got to yeah. all agree on that. Now, with Major League Baseball and Manfred, I think there was this such a – a worry that everyone's going to throw at the Astros and it's going to be terrible. There's going to be fights. There's going to be this. Well, you know, the Astros need to be accountable as well. And yeah. if you look at that altercation, we'll call it tough guy contest, what I always say, because nothing really happens. Nope. You know, if you look, 
yes, the Dodgers were exiting the field, but the it was the Astros team that ended up on the other side of home plate, closer to the Dodgers dugout. And so if your policy is, Hey, I don't, we, we do not want people leaving the dugouts because of COVID or whatever. Uh, yeah. Okay. That's fine. But you need to look at the picture there. And, and I think there's a, such as fear from Rob Manfred that everyone's going to throw at the Astros and you need to make it clear to your team. Don't throw at these guys. Well, okay, that's fine. Uh, but, but you need to, the Astros all, they weren't innocent either. Yeah. They got thrown at, but some of their activity was inappropriate as well. And they came across, I mean, across the field to, to, you know, stick their chest out too. So they, there should have been some casualty on their side as well. I think. Well, for sure. I mean, at the end of the day, whether he threw at him or not, he didn't hit anybody. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, sure. Maybe he was throwing at him, which, you know, please do it because and also <laughs> I might add they were 0 for 21 against Dodgers starting pitching that series. 0 for 21. Yeah. Well, I'll, I will say when, when Carlos Correa, uh, you know, acted like he was shot when a curveball came inside, that was a little dramatic to me, but, but uh, you know, uh, I, I will say, yeah, he didn't hit anybody. Uh, I think throwing over the top of a guy's head is a little more dangerous than, you know, throwing at a guy's thigh, we'll say, but, uh, but anyway, yeah, I, I try to hear all the viewpoints there on this and that. And, and I don't know what this love affair is with protecting the Houston asterisk. I, I don't, I don't understand that. I mean, um, we'll see. The season is very young. It's a short season. We know that. So we're going to see a lot more of this, I think. Well, and I think, you know, people would be more inclined to maybe forgive them. You know, if if they even had any, you know. Remorse. Yeah, remorse for uh, anything that they did. I mean, you just listen or go back to any of their interviews when they were saying, sorry, I'm throwing up the quotation marks with my hands <laughs> right now. But um, they weren't sorry. I mean, and, and you know what? If you were on Twitter the night that Joe Kelly pitched, Joe Kelly is now America's hero. I, saw, I did see all that, yeah. Throughout this pandemic, we now can rally around one person, and that is Joe Kelly, except for Houston. So let me ask you this, Zach. Uh, are you more – okay, with Joe Kelly, are you more happy with him now uh, than you were angry at him last October? Yes, <laughs> you really okay? Because he, he struggled. Now, he struggled last uh, October. Well, he, he you know he comes in in the seventeen worlds. I mean, sorry, the eighteen World Series and freaking destroys our lineup, right? Yeah, we get him in the off season. It's like, oh, this is great. This should be mm-hmm. good. You know, good uh, reliever, relief pitcher. And uh, no, he he was flat out awful. And uh, yeah, I was not the biggest fan, but. Uh, <laughs> It would be at this moment in time, it'd be extremely hard for him for me to lose fandom towards Joe Kelly. So, I gotcha. like I said, he's America's hero right now. Well, and, and as a baseball fan, Zach, you know, this is a very unique season. What, what are your thoughts on the fact that there is 60 games, there are no fans in the stands? I mean, the, the, the playoffs are now going to be 16 teams. There's a yeah. lot of elements here. I mean, just what are, your, what are your general thoughts of all of it, the entire Major League Baseball season? Well, I think the first off is thank God there's baseball back because, mm-hmm. or sports in general. Like I said, we were, you know, the biggest thing this year, the all-star game was at Dodger stadium. The home run derby was at, you know, at Dodger stadium and Javi, my, my roommate and I, Javier Rodriguez, um, we were in Chris. We're like, oh, we're going to this. We're going to this. So, you know, that kind of sucked, but it is what it is. Um, but yeah, man, I'm glad baseball is back and uh, it is a short season. 
Uh, I think this season, though, for the playoffs, I don't think you can formally say one team is going to win it or has a good shot because guess what? Baseball is about being hot at the right time, right? Mm -hmm. So that eighth seed on the NL or AL side may be able to come in and, you know, and freaking win the whole thing. Who knows? So it's kind of just – craziness at this point so i'm i'm happy with it we've got sports back is what it is (laughs) yeah i think the favorites obviously are the dodgers and the yankees but with this format i really do believe like you said anything can happen and and i think we're gonna see some absolute random team win the world series this year it's gonna be someone like what you know yeah like the rays or something something right now too so you know like you said we I would actually put money on some some seed below four winning the World Series in Vegas right now because the odds are probably really low. Yeah, the so, eighth, eighth best team out of 15. Uh, all you got to do is get in. All you got to do is win two out of three in the first round. Then you got to win three. I mean, anything yeah. can happen. And and because the season is so short, you're going to see teams, I, I, I at least think this, that, that teams will be healthy. They should be. Yeah. You know, they're not playing for 162 games. They're playing 60 I mean, yeah. we're already 10% of the way done. Yeah, it's, it's nuts. And, uh, yeah, no, I agree. And, and maybe with everyone healthy, we'll see an even more aggressive uh, playoffs. You know, maybe we're going to be throwing starters in the seventh or whatever it may be. You know, I know Doc for the Dodgers, you know, we throw Clayton Kershaw in there every once in a while in the seventh inning during big games. And usually he performs really well. So, um, you know, we may be seeing more of that. And, and so that's why I kind of like the season. It's kind of just a you know, it's kind of like what's going to happen. Kind of a, just a toss up. And um, I think that's cool. So, and I think today they actually just announced that all uh, double headers are only seven, seven innings. I, I did see that again, very unique uh, yeah. for the short season. I think it's probably appropriate uh, as an umpire, I was always a fan of that. I was like, why are we playing two nines or two nine? And, you know, two sevens. Yeah. That's plenty of baseball. <laughs> Double so. headers are rough, man, especially in baseball. I can only imagine being an up out in the oh. sun the whole time. It's, yeah, that's no fun. No fun at all. Uh, well, with baseball, I mean, you, you talked about SC football. You talked about uh, Dodger baseball. Are there any other sports that you kind of take an interest in, or are you kind of an all-around sports guy? Kind of, how would you categorize yourself as a sports fan? I definitely, you know, side more with football and baseball. That's kind of my my thing. I dabble in hockey every once in a while, but not much. Okay. Uh, but yeah, no, definitely, definitely, football and baseball are the two uh, two sports that I follow the most. And I'm a big college guy more than NFL, but. You know, if I got to go NFL, because I've never really had a team. I, I always, and everyone always bags on me for it. But wherever P. Carroll goes, I go. So, <laughs> I'm Seattle, I'm with Seattle. Um, and uh, so wherever he decides to go next or retire or whatever, then, you know, is what it is. But definitely more college than I am NFL. Okay. No, I can respect that uh, on both ends there. Yeah, I, I've, I've not understood that over the years. Uh, but as, again, things change. And with all the – I'll say this with all the politics kind of going into professional sports these days, uh, there's going to be some of it in college sports too. I I know, but I mean, uh, let let me just ask you, I mean, I don't know where you stand on things. It really doesn't matter, but do, do do some of the approaches that these sports leagues are taking, making it because sports for me is an escape. I, I, if I work all day, I want to, I want to sit back on the couch with a cold drink and watch, watch a competition and, and cheer for my team or whatever. I don't want to be like 
have things thrown at me all the time. So, I mean, speak freely, but, but what are your thoughts on kind of the way sports are in 2020? It seems like things are just kind of thrown at us. And it's like, wait a minute, this is supposed to be an escape from all the, the, the trouble around our lives. Right. Yeah, no, I don't disagree with you. And I think since this, you know, I, and I guess we can say it started with Kaepernick, right? Um, yeah. Since that, that happened in the NFL, it's kind of evolved itself over time. And I think me personally, I think I've evolved my opinion over time as well. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I don't think I, I wouldn't do it, but also we live in a free country and you should be able to do and, and, and voice your concern to whatever, however you want to. Mm-hmm. But on the flip end, people can also, you know, argue against it. So, you know, this whole, I'm very, I don't know, when it comes to social issues, I'm very libertarian and uh, kind of just let people do what they, they want to do. And if they want to protest, they can protest. And, um, and if you don't like it, you can speak up and say you don't like it. But guess what? At the end of the day, that's their decision. Yeah. And they live in a free country and they can do what they, they want to do. So I think I've kind of evolved to that mindset for the most part. Like I said earlier, what I do it, no, that's not how I, um, I, I see better outlets to do it. But if you're just trying to get, if you're trying to get attention, that's definitely, um, and trying to, you know, bring something up that, that I do believe is, um, you know, definitely a problem still. And I think we, uh, I think as the years go on, we always need to get better as a country and better as people, but yeah, I wouldn't do it that way. That's just not, not who I am and not what I think you should do during that, that moment in time during a football game. So, or before the football game. So anyway, that's kind of my thought process on it all. I try to try not to worry about it too much, but obviously I've had this guy and I'm pretty sure it's the same though with you. How many times have you had a discussion with friends or family about this? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's, it's quite often. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, it's, it's good to hear other people's opinions. It's good to hear other people's views. And um, so, yeah, that's kind of where I stand, whether you like it or not, I don't really care. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like I said, uh, you know, I, I go to, if I go to a, uh, a, a movie or I go to a musical or a concert or a, a sporting event, I'm going to those things to see certain, you know, elements. I'm, I, I paid t- a ticket to go see, I know what I'm kind of going to see, but yeah. when other things are kind of thrown back at me, I, I, I think this Zach, I think you and I are guys that are very, um, okay, where, where is he going? Like, all right, if you're going to do something, I can brush it off. But there are plenty of other people around the country, especially sports fans, who don't always take things as kind of you and I would necessarily. Uh, some people would be like, what? What is this? Nope, I'm done with this. So that's where I think the leagues need to be careful. And I keep saying this on the podcast, but uh, it's going to be an interesting next couple of months. I know that is if we haven't had a uh, interesting enough few months here in 2020. Yeah. Not to say that this year has been anything, you know, out of the ordinary or anything. <laughs> so, yeah. No, uh, again, I just, you're right. I, you, I go, you know, I can't even watch sports center anymore. It's oh, I I don't even, they, they do sports on sports center. Yeah. Now they, they do. Now they do. Like I said, it's just, I right. didn't know. I thought it was a, yeah, you thought it was news media. At that point. I was like, "What are the all these news stories?" It's I I, I want to know who won the the Dodger game or hey did uh, did my Rams uh, what they do today? Like I'm like, what is all these? Anyway, I yeah, go to other channels for that stuff. 
Yeah, they definitely are losing, uh, you know, and I think, um, you know, just my generation in general, we don't have direct TV. We don't have Dish Network. We got rid of that because, for one, it's too expensive for, for mm-hmm. some of us. And uh, and also, I just don't – I'd rather watch some, you know, real juco football, even if it's through Netflix. You know, <laughs> I want to see real life people going through – you know, seeing what other people go through and struggles and trying to learn a little bit, something, instead of just, you know, sitting with my jaw open watching Sports Center and someone giving me their opinion I don't care about. So, you know, it's, <laughs> it's like I said, we, my generation, we're more into streaming. So, yeah. Um, hey, hey, streaming's a way to go. Let me tell you, uh, I've cut the cord a few years ago and uh, I, we, we, we first did that PlayStation View. And that was yeah. great. And then now we do sling, I think, but great channels, yeah. um, online streaming. I, I love that. That's the best option I think. And, and something where you get so much more bang for your buck, man. Yeah. Sports well, or if, otherwise. Yeah. And if you've got parents that still have direct TV, you can use their password sometimes. <laughs> so if, you, if you need to get there, you can. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, Netflix. Uh, I think I dabbled with YouTube TV for a little bit. Actually, that was pretty good, but I was just like, ah, I'm not watching it enough for how much it costs. Yeah. Um, and, I, and, and to be totally honest with you, I, like, I mean, as us adults, we have work. And when I get home, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready for the next day or, you know, relaxing a little bit or going for going to the gym, whatever it may be. Um, I just don't sit down and watch all that much TV anymore, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm the same way with you. I usually pull up the laptop here and listen to, I do a listen. I listen to a lot of other podcasts. I listen to oh, you know yeah. I, that for me, cause I can still do things and stay active yeah. instead of just sitting at a couch uh, watching, but there's time I watch movies and stuff too, but oh, I gotta, I gotta tell you this, Zach, as much as I've starved for sports these past few months. And I was, I was like, I knew, I didn't think I could ever live without it. Yeah. But you know what? If I'm honest, I, I, I did just fine without it. Like, yeah. I, and this is from coming from a sports crazy guy who it's all I ever wanted to watch. And yeah. you know no. what? You? I did, okay. I did okay with it. Like, I was like, okay, well, maybe it'll be different during football season. But everything else, I was like, okay, I have other options, whatever. Yeah, I, I think if – I think if here's my take on that. I think if we went through the whole year with no sports, I think it would be different. Yes. <laughs> I think at that point, I would go crazy because uh, – <laughs> At this point, at some point, I've I've watched so many Netflix shows that now my brain's rotted, and you know is what it is. And but like you said, what's your favorite podcast? Because mine is to listen to, of course, besides yours, um, <laughs> the Joe Rogan podcast is one of my favorites. Okay, uh, so I love listening to him, and he's got. And a good thing about Joe is, uh, you know, he has everyone from every side of the aisle, yes. up, down, right, left, sideways, wh- whoever it may be, and it's just kind of kind of cool to see all the different. Uh, the type of people out there and their mindsets and you know it brings on ufc people and i'm pretty sure you've heard his podcast but I, yeah i love his podcast uh like you said i like the variety of people he has um i try to do that here but i have you know a lot of real people it's just like we talk about a lot of the same things but joe's good uh you're right i think joe is one of those guys that he's like right down the middle you know yeah yeah people on the left call him a conservative people on the right call him a liberal. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> so yeah, that's, no. uh, you know, like, yeah, if you've got a right, if you've got person from the right side of the aisle, the left screaming, you're a racist. 
And then if the, <laughs> there's a on the left side of the aisle and the right screaming, you're just, you're not American or something like that. Yeah. And, and you know, man, I mean, I mean, I'm honest, I'm up front. I'm, I'm on the, I'm on the, you know, I, I lean to the right side of things. I'm a pretty conservative guy, but uh, I have a conversation with anybody. I like Adam Carolla. His is good. Um, sports podcasts. I've really kind of gone towards a few, like Clay Travis and I'll kick the coverage. I really love that podcast. Uh, his radio show is great. Um, Cause he speaks out on some of these issues that are going on and really lays out some facts, which I appreciate. Uh, and then, you know, just some random ones. Um, Dennis Prager's always had a big influence on my life. Um, uh, you know, I'm a uh, Ben Shapiro fan too. So I are was, you? Okay. I was going listen to his stuff too. I think Ben's a good guy. Shapiro had a, an appearance on outkick uh, with Clay Travis outkick the coverage. Uh, and you know, that's a sports guy versus kind of a political guy. And it was a really, it was about an hour long. So check it out if you get an opportunity. Um, yeah. But I like boxing, UFC podcasts. I like kind of sports-specific podcasts. Like, okay, this is the Rams podcast. This is the Kings. Or this is, uh, this is the NHL or NFL podcast. So a lot of those types of things. Uh, it yeah. keeps me busy, man. keeps me busy throughout the day. And it's fun to listen to other people talk. When you're doing busy work around the house or you're driving to work or whatever it may be at work, um, I know I, I find myself and I think, you know, a ton of my friends too, we kind of just bounce different podcasts off of each other, but yeah, no, we, I think for me anyway, I, I listen to quite a bit um, and I'm a big music guy too, but uh, definitely podcasts switch it up a little bit and it's a little more than just guitars and drums and yeah, country music playing listen, in my so. Whatever you want, whatever you want when, you know, no commercials, it's great stuff. So I, I enjoy it. Well, uh, well, Zach, I appreciate you listening to the Get Home Safe podcast for sure. Uh, again, you got other other options first, I'm sure. But thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being on this program, man. It's been a lot of fun. Time has flown by. Uh, I wasn't sure the direction we'd go, but I think uh, it was a good time, man. Great time catching up. Yeah, I think, uh, like you said, we kind of touched on every subject. I think we, we pulled a Joe Rogan's podcast and kind of went all over the place. And partially that's because of me. So my fault if I pulled it in a direction that wasn't in that, in that line, but um, no, it's fun. Good catching up. And like I said, I, I enjoy uh, listening and, you know, again, I'm able to kind of connect with people that I haven't talked with for a while or whatnot. Um, and listening through your podcast, it's kind of cool to catch up. So, um, but make sure you get Pete on here. Don't let him oh, just yeah. giggle away. Well, you know, he's getting married here in a couple of weeks. So I'm like, married. come on, come on, Pete. You got time, brother. Come on. <laughs> he's not picking colors for his wedding. I can guarantee that. So <laughs> he can get on your podcast right now. <laughs> you know, what's funny is I only have a couple of weeks. Now. I just realized I only have a couple of weeks to get the, uh, the, the non-married Pete, you know, yes. you know yeah. not, I don't know how much will change, but we got it. We got to talk to him before oh, he gets married. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Since he's been, you know what, I actually ran into him. I was driving uh, down Longden or whatever it was. I don't know. Live, I'm sorry, Live Oak. And I was making a right and I saw him in his Civic. And I, you know, I rolled down the window. Hey, what's up, people? What's up, Cyber? He's like, so we got to connect. We usually go grab sushi when he's in town. So we got to go, uh, we got to go, um, go grab some lunch or dinner. Unfortunately, during these times, it's kind of difficult to do that. So uh, whatever we'll figure it out we'll connect <laughs> that's all we can do man is is uh work hard to figure stuff out so yeah we gotta I, hey truth be told I've, I've texted pete a couple times and uh i'll say he's a busy guy that's all so uh we'll, we'll get him on here soon i promise you that well, now we're roasting him matt <laughs> <laughs>
Not yet. Not yet. Save that. Save that for after he gets married. We'll get after it. That'll be fun. <laughs> oh, oh, Zach. Well, thank, thanks for being here, man. That was a blast. Uh, hey, let's stay in touch. Uh, yep. Shoot me a text anytime you want to chat about uh, sports or just anything, man. Anything you want to chat about. Uh, let's talk real soon. Yep. Sounds good. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Thanks again, Zach Stiver. A lot of fun catching up with you, talking some real Hondo prep football and some college football. And I wish you nothing but the best in moving forward. Uh, great times uh, chatting, catching up. I'm um, Hopefully a lot of people uh, that uh, we both know got to hear this and got to uh, share a few laughs as well. Zach, all the best moving forward. Hope to talk with you again real soon. Well, guys, on Tuesday, we will be joined by Dane Ritaski. Dane was a very good friend of mine in the umpiring world. We actually kind of started out our umpire journey uh, together. We worked together in this college wood bat league like a month before uh, we got into affiliated minor league baseball back in 2009. Uh, it was kind of like the waiting room, I guess, if you will, to kind of get sharp. And then when they're ready to call you into the minor leagues, uh, they, they pull you in there. So that's kind of where we met. Uh, Dane is originally from Baltimore. He went to the University of Auburn, so he's a big Tigers football fan. And he currently is a veterinarian in Buffalo, New York. So it's kind of all over the place, uh, but it was a great opportunity to catch up with my good friend, Dane Ritaski. We'll talk some minor league baseball. We're going to talk some SEC football. We'll talk about what his uh, path has been like in uh, becoming a veterinarian and maybe some of the challenge even that uh, he's had to go through during this weird 2020 year and some of the, the COVID uh, restrictions, obstacles, all that. So be sure to tune in with us on Tuesday. A lot of good stuff. Can't wait for you guys to hear that interview. Guys, as always, there's plenty of ways to follow the Get Home Safe podcast. The best way uh, or one of the uh, best ways is through Twitter. Our Twitter handle is Get Home Safe Pod. Our Facebook and Instagram page is Get Home Safe Podcast. And our, in- excuse me, and our email address is Get Home Safe Podcast at yahoo.com. We would love to hear from you. Any suggestions, any uh, thoughts on content, uh, anything you want to say, uh, feel free to email us or you can reach out to us through those social media platforms. You can also leave us a voice message on the Anchor app, whether it's the Anchor app itself or anchor.fm. Find our podcast, look for the green message button. You could leave a, a voice message and I can play that message on the air if you'd like. Uh, and then I can give my answer or rebuttal or uh, you know, kind of respond to what you discussed on your voice message. It's just an option. I keep throwing it out there just in case anyone wants to participate. Uh, but yeah, you know where to reach us on the Get Home Safe podcast. Yeah, those who are listening, you guys are well aware there's plenty of ways to listen to the Get Home Safe podcast as well. Anchor really does make uh, a guy, it, it easier, we'll say, for a guy like me to be able to uh, put on a podcast. These past few months, we've grown so much. We're approaching 6,000 total plays here. Uh, I can't believe it after just starting this out uh, with a random uh, thought of, hey, how do you do a podcast? Talking into my phone one day, and here we are. So thank you for all the support. It's been great. Uh, we continue to grow. We continue to gain fans and listeners. And in uh, moving forward, really looking forward to some exciting future uh, goals and content and interviews. We got a great show 
uh, group, excuse me, a great uh, list of shows this week. Great list, of, uh, guest list, if you will. Can't wait to, for you guys to hear Dane Ritaski tomorrow. Uh, Bill Barnes, of course, is here every single Wednesday. And on Thursday and Friday, I will fill you in on those interviews uh, later in the week as we move forward. So thanks for joining us today. That'll wrap up another episode of the Get Home Safe podcast. Uh, look forward to having you back with us tomorrow on Tuesday for the interview with Dane Ritaski. Thanks again to Zach Stiver. It was a great time catching up with you. And guys, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe. <laughs>